0: everyone. This is Kate Kelly, founder of Women, And I just wanted to talk about the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast. It is just such an invaluable resource. I love listening to it. I came to a point in my life where I just really needed to hear the voices of women telling stories about women. And that's what this podcast is. Lindsay's series about polygamy is unique. And totally unprecedented. It's a wonderful resource and women doing wonderful work deserve to get paid. So please support the podcast if you can, if you can make a regular donation of just $5 a month, it would mean a lot. And it means not only that you continue to get wonderful material and stuff to listen to, but it also means that women doing this work are supported, which is important. So please support. The Feminist Mormon Housewives Podcast One, Two, Three, Mm -hmm. Go Feminist Mormon Housewives.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Feminist Mormon Housewives Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, bringing you another episode in the Year of Plygamy series where we try to understand the practice of Mormon plural marriage. Today is going to be a really short episode, but I just wanted to introduce you to some names that you're going to need to be familiar with. I'm going to warn you that the next few months of history might be a little messy and hard to listen to, which might sound funny because many of you have expressed that the history of polygamy has already been deeply painful to listen to. For me, this is probably the research that I've had the most difficulty with, partially because a lot of it I was very unfamiliar with, and a lot of it just sort of went against the narratives that I was taught as a child, so it was difficult. But I do want to give it a shout out to Brian Hales. He gets a bad rap from everybody, but his research is amazing. Long before he was doing uh, Joseph Smith's polygamy research, which he is well known for, Brian Hales has done a lot of work on Mormon fundamentalism. And we really owe him for a lot of this really well-researched history. This episode is going to just give you a brief overview of some of the names and then we're going to talk about how these fundamentalist sects break away. Now, the reason why we need to do this is because it's really critical to understand the LDS Church's involvement with Mormon fundamentalism. It's a really complicated history. Of course, if you were a Mormon, you know, growing up in the LDS Church, you would hear certain narratives about how the FLDS were wicked and we weren't part of them. Or maybe Mormon fundamentalists were in apostasy and they just took things too far or something like that. But as you will know in the next couple weeks, that this, the history is a little bit more complicated than that. I normally like to highlight the men as peripheral characters through these women, but I do feel like I need to give you a primer on some of these names because it's going to get very complicated. And in order to understand the women that were affected by these uh, practices, you do have to understand These men. Now, if you grew up in the LDS Church, you were obviously familiar with Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff. But the names of these apostles and later prophets that they would claim are going to be names that you don't recognize. Because even though these men often served as apostles in the LDS Church and were deeply tied through not only family bonds, but social and religious bonds to prophets of the LDS Church, we don't hear their names. We don't hear their names because they are the fathers of Mormon fundamentalism. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about them today. Corey Howard is going to uh, do, start doing some research for us on the wives of these men so we can understand what it was like being married to some of these men. But I want you to get familiarized with some names. Now, John... W. Woolley is probably one of the most prominent names that you're going to need to know. He is considered sort of the father of Mormon fundamentalism. The Woolley family, W-O-O-L-L-E-Y, is something you're going to have to know. You're going to have to really know this family's name if you want to understand Mormon fundamentalism. It's really important. John W. Woolley was an old-school... Mormon pioneer. I mean, he did it all. He would have been around through the majority of church history. He was born in 1831, and he kind of, he has his Mormon cred. He would come across in the handcart companies. He would be in the Nauvoo Legion. He he would immigrate to Utah in the 1840s. His His father was Brigham Young's business manager and a very close friend, and a bishop in the LDS Church from 1853 to 81, John W. Woolley would hold many civil positions in Utah Territory. He was a sheriff and a justice of the peace and a territorial marshal and the county commissioner. He was in the Nauvoo Legion in Utah in the state of Deseret, and he served as lieutenant, captain, sergeant, and major. He was one of the dudes that participated in the Black Hawk War. So he was very much front and center for all this Utah War violence. And he was one of the ten gentlemen who crossed Little Mountain to meet Johnson's army in 1857. This guy was around for it all. What's interesting is uh, Brian Hales notes that he was only a polygamist for about six years. He was a monogamist for most of his life. He only experiences plural marriage from about eighteen eighty six to eighteen ninety two he was sealed to Julia seals ensign on March twentieth eighteen fifty one and he had six t- children with her on October fourth eighteen eighty six he would marry Anne everington Roberts for time only and he lived the principle of plural marriage until about eighteen ninety two when his first wife dies. This woman, Roberts, that would become his uh, first I guess his second plural wife, she was the widow of B.H. Roberts, and they would have no kids, her and Woolley together. So she was already a polygamist with B.H. Roberts. She marries Wooley for time only, so he kind of, you know, takes her on as the time-only wife. She would pass away in 1910, and two months later, he would marry 39-year-old Annie Fisher for time only as well, which is interesting. He's not doing this sort of celestial polygamy. Even though he has a short experience of plural marriage, a short six-year period, he is literally the father of Mormon fundamentalism. He is devout to the church. He was a state high councilman in 1877. He was a temple worker and a sealer in 1894. And he was ordained a state patriarch in June of 1913. He also secretly performed sealings of Warren Longhurst and Evan Allred in Salt Lake City, Utah in 1909. And was involved with other polygamous marriages prior to that time. And he was a close friend of President Joseph F. Smith. In fact, President Smith performed his civil marriage in nineteen ten. Brian Hill says, quote, Sometime later President Smith said to him, John, I am happy to know that you have not been involved in any of those so called plural marriages. John W. Woolley hesitated a moment and then replied, President Smith, I cannot lie to you, I am guilty. Then he confessed his wrongdoing. Upon learning of this, President Joseph F. Smith notified Francis Lyman, president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Joseph F. Smith holds a church court on January 16, 1914, and it results in Woolley's disfellowshipment. And he tries to retain his membership, and he he tries to petition the Brethren, uh, all these other... Apostles are asking him about it, and the apostles would consider his case on March 30th. Apostle James E. Talmage recorded, quote, It became our painful duty to take action by which Brother John W. Woolley was excommunicated from the Church for insubordination and disobedience to the regulations of the Church. It may be here stated that Brother Woolley, according to the evidence in his own confession, has been instrumental in bringing about the unauthorized and sinful pretenses for plural marriage in the case of other brethren, who have been of late visited with extreme penalty of excommunication, end quote. So, anyway, as far as the LDS Church is concerned, John W. Woolley was just a rogue guy that practiced polygamy without any sort of authority to do so, and of course he is excommunicated. He would die a non-member of the LDS Church. But, in the next few weeks, you're going to see how why this story is so complicated At the age of eight, he would receive his patriarchal blessing from Joseph Smith, Sr., who was Joseph Smith, Jr.'s dad and, of course, the presiding patriarch of the church. In his blessing, he was promised that he would, quote, be called to be responsible stations and receive keys as well as glory and honor and works of knowledge and power, and that he would be called the Lord's anointed. Fundamentalists take his position later on as the fulfillment of that prophecy, John W. Woolley has a famous son, Lorne C. Woolley, who is another important person. And in the next episode that you're going to hear on Wednesday, it's going to be a big, a big deal, kind of a mind blowing deal to, to untangle all of this. Basically, John W. Woolley and John Taylor are very much involved. Now, you have to understand that John W. Woolley was uncle to LDS Church President Spencer W. Kimball and Apostle J. Reuben Clark and John W. Taylor. He was also the stepfather to B.H. Roberts. So John W. Woolley is very much involved with this sort of Mormon royalty hierarchy, right? So he has this son, Lawrence C. Woolley, who would be sort of this messenger for John Taylor when John Taylor was hiding out from the government raids. And Lawrence C. Woolley is going to claim that uh, John Taylor was in hiding when he has this revelation. He talks with Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith, Jr. They visit him on the night of September 26th. Tell him to set apart five men to keep the principle on the earth. And these men would be John W. Woolley, Lauren, his son, and George Q. Cannon of the Apostles. They're supposed to sort of keep the principle alive on earth to safeguard it because they know that they're under threat. Now, this revelation, this 1886 revelation that we're going to talk about on Wednesday is critical to understanding Mormon fundamentalism. This is where they derive their power. This is why it still happens. From the LDS perspective, like I said, John W. Woolley is excommunicated, so we don't have to worry about him. He's just some guy, some whack job fundamentalist that went off to practice Plural marriage without authority. But as we know, he is working with George Buchanan, Cannon, who is an apostle of the church. He's working with John Taylor. And later after John Taylor dies, he's working with Joseph F. Smith. There's all these really complicated uh, timelines when these marriages are happening. And to his excommunication, there are many ex-Mormon uh, fundamentalists that believe that excommunication was yet just another public act that was uh, privately accepted by Joseph F. Smith to sort of give the public what they wanted. They needed a fall guy. And in their mind, he had the authority given by John Taylor, the prophetic authority along with these th- these uh, four other men, to practice plural marriage and to keep the actual true church alive. And that his excommunication was just sort of a sidebar. Some other fun- fundamentalists believe that he was actually a successor to Wilford Woodruff for John Taylor. Of course... The LDS Church, the contemporary modern LDS Church, does not accept that. And when he dies, his son, Lauren Woolley, takes over. I'm just going to give you a brief overview really quick. In the 1920s, Lauren C. Woolley, his son, organizes the Council of Friends. In 1935, the Latter-day Church of Christ is organized by Eldon Kingston. In 1954, the Apostolic United Brethren, also known as AUB, is organized by C. Allred. Also in 1954, the FLDS Church, the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is organized by Leroy S. Johnson. And then we go into 1974. There's the Church of Jesus Christ in Solemn Assembly, the Church of the New Covenant in Jesus Christ in 1975, 1978. There's the Righteous Branch, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, organized by Gerald Peterson Sr., and on and on and on. So, we're going to be talking about all of those in the next few months. I just need you to remember these names. LeBaron, Woolly, Muser, Allred, Kingston, Zitting, Barlow, and Kelch. And there are several others, but these names are important. So, when you hear those last names... Your ears should perk up in the history because this is going to be important. And again, it's going to seem complicated right now, but hopefully in the next few weeks you're going to try to understand this. I will warn you that as far as my research goes, this has been the darkest period of my research. I feel a little bit cynical right now because there's just some heavy stuff coming up. So um, be prepared for that. Gird your loins. It's gonna be it's gonna be sort of a interesting few weeks, and there and people might ask why are you talking about this fundamentalist? This has nothing to do with LDS polygamy, and I'm gonna argue that it actually has everything to do with LDS polygamy, and it really is going to help us to understand the modern church and why the modern church looks so different now than how it looked in the 1850s or the 1880s or even the 1910s or the 1920s. And hopefully this is going to help you understand the modern church more. So, again, that was John W. Woolley. Go ahead and look him up. I will link to Brian Hells' site and uh, talks about sort of this Mormon fundamentalism. So, we'll be talking about that, and I hope you're enjoying the Year of Polygamy series on the Feminist Mormon Housewives podcast.